Good morning. It's good to see you again. We're coming to you this morning live from our remote studios in Carroll, Ohio. I'm surrounded by a great group of people who are helping put this together. And I'd like to thank my executive producer for this broadcast, Pastor Caleb Schaefer. And I would like to also thank my wardrobe consultant, my hair, makeup, and fashion design person, Pastor Tammy Bennett. So to both of you, my hat's off for being so willing to uh, make this happen for everybody this morning. And uh, it's an interesting day, as always, uh, when we're working day to day and doing the things that need to transpire. And uh, I was thinking uh, over these last couple weeks about a point that I made in my first message in this series, You Were Made for a Mission. And it struck me that I should probably build on this one point just a little bit more so that you can see God's, how God's hand is in the midst of everything that we do. And so before we get started today, let's join in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time, this moment, this day in history that you've created for us. This is the day you've made, as your word says, and you've called us to rejoice and be glad in it. And I know, Father, that so many people are facing so many things right now in their lives, but it doesn't negate the fact that you are in the midst of everything that we do and all the things that uh, in life uh, we have to wade through. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for this day. And I thank you for this message, and I pray that this message will bring encouragement. I pray that this message will bring hope, and I pray, God, that this message will enlighten people as to what you have in store for their future. The things that you're working in our lives right now, the things that you're teaching us, they're important not only for this hour, but they're going to come to pass in the days ahead. All of the things that we learn. How we go through these times are going to determine our future impact in your kingdom. And so, Father, today I just thank you that you have given us this time and this opportunity to share the good things about the gospel and about the kingdom. And so, Father, I just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. When you look back into Genesis 37, we... Uh, I focused on several different events that brought, uh, that came into Joseph's life that ultimately brought him to the place of his destiny. When you look at any one of these individually, you would have to shake your head and say, wow, I can't believe Joseph went through the thing that he went through. Who would uh, among us, any of us, want to have the betrayal of the family? that uh, he went through, you know, his brothers and their extreme jealousy of him. But that situation right there, God was going to use to set up what Joseph was going to ultimately have to go through until he would get to the place that God had ordained for him. But nobody would have wanted to go through that. We see that in the position Joseph was in, he was an obedient son to his father, and his father loved Joseph. As a matter of fact, he even made mention that he was his favorite. 
And we had mentioned that, you know, Joseph being the youngest of the brothers, those of us who are babies in the family, we understand that favor that can come along from being in that position in the birth order. And so it's interesting that when Joseph was obedient to his father's demands, his father said, go find your brothers and see what they're doing in the fields. See, Joseph's dad knew that his brothers weren't always where they were supposed to be, which meant the, the, their flocks and their herds were not being attended to properly. And so who did he send? The only one he could trust. And that's the way it is a lot of times in our kingdom endeavors. God is looking to send the ones who we can trust. Those who have counted the cost, as I said in message two, and determined that I'm all in for whatever God you have in store for me, I want to be sent on that mission. But so often when we're sent into the mission that God has made for our lives, it doesn't look like we thought it would look. And that's the way Joseph was when he left his home that day. When Joseph left his home to be obedient to his father, he never knew that that would be the last time that he would ever see his childhood home again. The last time. He, he, he never knew that that would take place that day. But when he went out to find his brothers, they were supposed to be in the fields of Shechem, and sure enough, true to order, uh, they weren't there. He ran into somebody and asked, hey, have you seen the guys who are supposed to be tending these herds? And he said, yeah, they're not here. They've went to Dotham. Now, I'm not exactly sure uh, what was more exciting in Dotham than Shechem, but something was because it motivated their brothers, to, his brothers, to leave what they were supposed, their responsibilities, and go to a place that obviously had some kind of enjoyment for them. And so Joseph, being faithful and obedient to his father and carrying out the mission, this is an important point. Carrying out the mission, he came to Dothan, and before he probably saw them, I think. Uh, before Joseph saw them, they saw him. And they said, oh, great, there's the dreamer. Isn't it interesting? Joseph's title they gave him was what God had revealed to him. Mm -hmm. Now, they meant it in a sarcastic and demeaning manner. But Joseph was following that dream. And no matter what his adversities were and all the things that he faced, he stayed true to that dream because he knew that God had a great mission for his life. So many times when we get in the midst of walking out to the place where God uh, has called us to go and when we run into the speed bumps or potholes or whatever you want to call them, so many people find those situations so difficult to deal with that they become disobedient to the call that God has given them, and they just drop the mission as if it's not as important as it is for their flesh to be fulfilled. Mm. So Joseph, when he went to, to you know, kind of confront his brothers, and I think that Joseph went with a smile on his face saying, gotcha, I see, you're not where you're supposed to be, can't wait to go back and tell dad, because that was his mission, to find out where they were. And they weren't where they were supposed to be. So they weren't going to allow this to happen. They didn't want the, their father to realize that Joseph had caught them in a place they weren't supposed to be. So what did they do? They had a confrontation. They decided to throw Joseph in the bottom of a well, and they, their plan was to leave him there to die. 
But how many of you know that even when we're in the midst of our deepest, darkest circumstance, in the bottom of our wells, that that's not God's best plan for us? And so God moved on his older brother Reuben's heart, and Reuben said, look, we can't leave Joseph in there. Let's pull him out of the well. Let's uh, kill an animal, rip that coat of many colors off of him that the father gave him so proudly. Let's dip it in that animal's blood, and let's go back and report to, to dad that Joseph has, has been killed. He, he's lost his life, and this is all that's left of him. And so God was on the move, even in the midst of Reuben's plan that was diabolical and devious. Mm -hmm. And so here along the way comes a group of people that, that of Ishmaelites, and they were on their way in their journey, probably doing some sort of trade function, and were coming back past this place of the well uh, that probably many people traveled and traversed. And, and when they took Joseph out of the well, they said, look, here these guys come. Let's sell our brother as a slave to these people. And so um, they did. They sold Joseph into what was going to perceive to be a form of slavery. And uh, so when they probably shackled Joseph's hands, he was, he was a slave. He was a pseudo-prisoner at this time. And uh, they, they carried him off, no longer being able to see his family, his childhood house, and all of those different things that meant so much to Joseph. But this is the interesting point that I made in the first message. If these things had not taken place, these what we perceive to be terrible things in Joseph's life, he would have not gotten to the place of his destiny. See, if he'd have went back to his house, the father that loved him probably wouldn't have released him. Joseph probably would have went back to his hometown and uh, realized that I have a great position in my father's house. Why would I ever leave to go to any place else? But see, it's interesting. You know, I, I tell this story uh, quite frequently that, uh, you know, my first wonderful job that I ever had was at Rockwell International. And uh, one day that job came to an end. And it's interesting because when you're in the midst of doing something large and great like that, you always feel like, wow, if, if they lay me off, they're never going to get anything done. Well, that's not the truth. And when I pulled away from the plant, I turned going south on Fifth Avenue, and in my rearview mirror, I saw the, the, the uh, Rockwell International buildings behind me. And the thought occurred to me, what am I going to do? Hmm. I have two kids at that time. I've got a house. I've got a wife to take care of. And uh, I had no idea where my destiny was going to go. I'm like, God, why did you remove me from this place? We had plenty of money, plenty of resources, everything that we needed to carry out life. We were growing in Christ. I was on fire for God. I was the uh, plant pastor. Uh, they called me, here comes the Rev. So I thought, wow, I'm in this marketplace ministry. I'm at the greatest place that God uh, could ever put me. And then one day, boom, it's gone. And, and my adversities began. 
and having to or needing to take care of my family over the next couple years, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But little did I know at that point that God had a great destiny and a great mission for my life, and he had to kick me out of Rockwater (laughs) National because most likely I would have not ever left there on my own because I would have been way too comfortable to do that, Mm -hmm. and God's aware of that. And even in the midst of our adversities, we have to realize that God is showing us something. God's revealing himself to us. Um, And and never in my entire uh, time of being a believer have I grown more Mm. and grown closer to Christ than those two years when we were were really severely in a financial drought. But in, in those two years, I might have been in a financial drought. But God was releasing manna to me from heaven itself that would transform myself, my wife, my children, and ultimately nations because of what God was going to do through my life. And so here we are today, and jokingly said to you, we're broadcasting live from our remote studios in Carroll, Ohio, and we're here today because we're facing a pandemic. And uh, it's, you know, decisions have to be made for the best of the entirety of our body. And this is one we've made. But we're also, I want you to realize this, that since March, that we've learned a lot of things. We've said so many times that we're managing things day to day. And you know what? That's not a cop out or that's not a bad thing or that's not a, a statement that's laced in fear. It's laced in wisdom. And we've learned that when we lean on God through these times when we don't necessarily have an answer, it's okay. Because if we'll just be patient, God will show us what he wants us to do and to know and to grow from this particular situation. As a matter of fact, he kind of pointed us in the direction of Matthew chapter 6 in the familiar text of Scripture that says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Mm-hmm. Above everything else. Above this, the pandemic. Uh, above your job that provides for you. Above everything in your life. First of all, we're to seek God. Mm-hmm. When we seek God first, then he begins to lay out things that we maybe would have felt were negative things in our life, and we would begin to see them as his grooming process of preparing us for the ultimate place and destiny of our mission. We see that, and I'm going to talk about in just a moment, the Apostle Paul. Who went through more adversity than the Apostle Paul? But he had a goal, and his goal was to go to Rome to preach the gospel to the most influential people who were on the earth at that time. And in order for him to complete his mission, there were massive and incredible and stressful places of adversity in his life. But when you stay true to your to, to the mission, let me let me just say this. When you stay true to the mission and kingdom people Those who have faced great adversity, they have left long-term and long-lasting wisdom and impact for generations to come. Mm -hmm. 
And that's what we see, that's what we gain from what the Apostle Paul went through. And so when we're in the midst of our time of challenge, we have to realize that there's a purpose for this challenge. And our purpose as a staff is to be able to hear God's voice for this moment and this hour. We don't necessarily uh, have a great plan for the 15th of December, mm -hmm. but we have one for November 22nd. Right. And this is the day that the Lord has made. We'll operate in the place that He leads us. And even in the midst of these challenging times, there should be a joy and, and, and a peace that functions in our lives. Mm -hmm. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else, above everything. And live righteously, and he will give you, what? Half of what you need. Oh, no, wait a minute. Is that, that I'm reading in the New Living Translation. Is that what it says? Oh, no. It says, he will give you everything that you need. Seek God, and everything that you need will be given to you. Verse 34 says this. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Yeah. And in other words, it's saying focus on God now. Seek His wisdom now. Before anything else, go to God because He is our place of refuge, our protection. He is the one that enables us to move forward in our mission. He is the one that is working something in you that is going to ultimately leave a lasting impact into other people's lives. And so here we are with Joseph in that place of these days we know that every day in Joseph's life something happened that strengthened him to get him to the ultimate place of his destiny. And even in the deepest places of his trial, when he put God first, when he was obedient to the things of God, no matter what man wanted to do to his mission, his mission was not in their hands. His mission was in the hands of God. Mm. And so it's interesting when we see that. Let's take a look right now. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2. I just want to talk just for a moment about the Apostle Paul and in some of the things of his destiny. Through the Apostle Paul, uh, we've read so many amazing and encouraging things through letters that were written to us in the place where he was imprisoned. That the Apostle Paul, even in the midst where his personal freedoms were stripped from him, he knew that there was something that God had placed in him that gave him a strength to do something for and to his mission, even in the place to where he was physically shackled and imprisoned. You know, that's the power of who God is. See, many people throughout the, the ages have tried to shackle us and the kingdom people in a physical sense, but what they can never do is shackle the spirit. They can never shackle the destiny. They can never uh, uh, stop the ultimate destiny of the mission. Sometimes we see people and, and folks of, of generations in, in the past where uh, they've uh, been burned at the stake or there's been something that's happened to them uh, 
their physical body, but the message of their ministry lives on to today, mm -hmm. encouraging us to know that when we stand with God, that there is an encouragement that we can have in the midst of even our most trying times. Yeah. See, we're not living for this moment. We're living in an eternal purpose and an eternal destiny. I'm not preaching this message today to, to try to, to change a mind in this moment. I'm preaching this message today to encourage a mission that will last a lifetime. Yeah. That I'll encourage people today to stand strong even in the midst of not knowing what, uh, where we're headed in these challenging times that we live in. We might not know where we're headed past today, but I know this for certain. I know the one who has my destiny in his hands. And by knowing that and trusting that and, and saying that I, I'm all in, then I know that no matter where he leads me, it's going to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Right. And one day, many days from now, people's lives are going to be continually transformed. So when we look at the Apostle Paul, what do we see? We see somebody who has dispensed wisdom in the midst of his imprisonment. And that wisdom uh, that he dispensed, we still grow from that today. 27 books in the New Testament. And it's clear that Paul has written at least 13 of them, maybe 14 if you count Hebrews. Almost half of the New Testament was written by somebody who faced incredible obstacles to complete the mission that God gave him. Mm -hmm. Now, out of the depth of the Apostle Paul, we read things like he wrote to the church in Philippi in Philippians chapter 2. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. Mm. Man, <laughs> smell that Bible. Mm. Just love the smell of the Word of God. It's a fragrance that just fills my heart. Now, in chapter 2, it says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Question mark. Any comfort from His love? Question mark. Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, working together with one mind and one purpose. Here is the Apostle Paul from his imprisonment writing encouraging words to us to stay humble, to stay focused, to stay more concerned about our direction than any other thing. And this is what he says in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. He writes that same thing in Romans chapter 12, that we're to prefer one another above ourselves. See, this is the mission of the kingdom, and that's exactly what our king did. Our king, Jesus, humbled himself and didn't think uh, of himself as higher than anyone, but that his mission was what he ultimately focused on. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Mm. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, 
he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Listen to what he says. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Now listen to these next two verses. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself to what? In obedience to God. What makes Joseph any difference? Right. He humbled himself in the obedience to his father, to obedience of his dream that he had to kept moving forward. What inspired the Apostle Paul? He saw that obedience that Christ had, and it enabled him to have the obedience to carry out his mission as well. See, we can learn so much from Jesus, the one who had it all, but gave it all up so that we could have a different destiny. Right. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say that at home. Somebody look at your, your wife and somebody uh, rattle your kids right now. Somebody shake your pajama bottoms and say this. Say therefore with me. Therefore. God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. What an interesting thing to have in your mind's eye when you think about all of the things I talked about in Joseph, his dream, his adversities, and his ultimate placement in the kingdom of God. Same thing. He gave Joseph a name that was above all names except the Pharaoh at that time. And Joseph had a place of influence and position. And listen to what verse 10 says. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. An amazing text of scripture that Paul has given us to encourage us to stay firm, to be obedient, to not waver, to understand that our leader did the same thing for us and look at the position that he ultimately ended up in. You can go to Acts chapter 28 and you'll see that all of the things that Paul lived for, all of the things that he gave his life for ultimately comes to pass when he gets his place in Rome in Acts 28. That was the, basically, that was the culmination of his mission. But Joseph's mission was not culminated in that place uh, where all these adversities found him. Joseph's mission uh, was much greater than the place of his adversity. Turn with me, if you would, to, uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 39 for a moment. And I just want to take a, a minute to start in uh, uh, verse 19. This is when, you know, uh, Joseph was, it was in, in the, the place to where he found a, a place in Potiphar's house and his wife <coughs> did what she did and came after Joseph and Joseph was staying obedient to his mission and faithful. And it says Potiphar was furious when he learned his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. 
And so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Now, in verse 21, it says, But the Lord, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison, in the midst of the same place that Paul was, wasn't he? It, God was with Paul in the, in the prison. And see, he was with Joseph in his imprisonment. He's with you today, no matter what you're facing or going through, mm -hmm. no matter what you don't understand, no matter what we can't see or, or, or uh, uh, we can't move into because of where we feel like we're at in, in the midst of our adversities, but wherever you are, God is with you. Yeah. And when you seek first his kingdom, you would realize that each and every day is a gift from God. I said that to Tammy this morning. When we woke up, I said, Woo, man, baby, it's a great day. It's another day that God has given us. We're up, we're alive, we're breathing, we're well. And God's got another opportunity to do something good in and through us. So, but the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his uh, faithful love. Wow. And the Lord made Joseph what? A favorite with the prison warden. No place that Joseph goes does he not go with God's favor. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prisoner. In verse 30, or 23 says, The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. And you could look at that and say, wow, who cares? He's in prison. I mean, you know, wow. I mean, so, so why didn't God just get him out and, and, and allow him to succeed in, in the place of his mission? Because there was something that Joseph needed to see here. There was a place that God had to bring him so that he could have ultimate trust in him. Because the things that he were going to do were going to not only affect him, not only affect his family, but it was going to affect the nation, and it was going to affect people thousands of years from this point of Joseph's destiny, because today we're still talking about it. Right. We're still being encouraged by him. So God had more to do with Joseph. There were more people that Joseph's life had to impact and affect. These are some things that we can learn from this part of where Joseph is. One, we have to receive God's promise with a childlike faith. We have to just, no matter what we see with our own eyes, we have to continue to believe that God is in the midst of it and God is going to make something good. And that's the second point. We need to make the best of every bad situation. We need to, to not lose our character in the midst of where we are in our adversity. And that's the third point. We have to stand with integrity in the trials and temptations that God has for us. Sometimes when we're in the midst of an adversity, we press and press and press in our flesh to get what we think our flesh needs, no matter what we have to do to get it. And that's not God. That's not what the place God would have us to be. He would have us to honor him, his kingdom, and his promises, and allow him to humble and teach us everything we need to do, which is the fourth point. We've got to walk in humility before God and with man. 
sometimes we get into situations that, you know, quite frankly, they're just like embarrassing and you hardly even want to share them with anybody. You know, in Tammy and I's situation, do you think as a man that I wanted to run around and tell people that uh, our income has uh, been cut to where we can barely survive and that be my testimony during that time? No, that wasn't as a man what I wanted to do during that time. That wasn't the testimony that I wanted to have because that's not, you know, a sterling testimony in the flesh for other people to see. But what they didn't see is what God was doing right. in the midst of our journey. And what God was leading us to, what God was showing us, the miracles that he was giving us in our lives because he was preparing us for a mission and a destiny that would demand us to have a faith so big that we could change nations. Yeah. And that's where we are today, working diligently with ministries around the world. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, seeing thousands of pastors being trained in a way that they've never been trained before, providing equipment and hard drives and, and uh, ministry materials and training leaders to train other leaders and the growth that we're seeing in the midst of all of these things that we're doing right now is literally changing and transforming nations. You know, I always thought it was interesting that it took two years of being in poverty I mean poverty, for us to ultimately get to minister in the fourth poorest nation in the entire world. See, God was preparing us to have faith. All of these thousands and thousands of dollars that have went into these projects that we're doing, probably I would have never had the faith to believe that these things could be carried out had I not seen God work in the midst of my adversity mm -hmm. to show me how real he mm -hmm. was. Mm -hmm. And this is what he's doing in Joseph's life. He's proving to him. And when, he, when it says, therefore, and but the Lord, God is revealing something so deep to Joseph that nobody can take away the impact and the power of that encounter that he's having with God at that time. And so we have to do this, the last thing. We have to see everything in life from God's perspective. When we take ourselves out of the way mm -hmm. and allow God to be God and just say, Father, I'm all in. Whatever you need from me, whatever you want from me, I'm yours for your purpose. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that we see that in, in Joseph's life. We see that uh, Joseph, uh, for all his sufferings, it ultimately ends up saving his family and an entire nation. And it brings prominence to a Pharaoh that he would have never had, had he not had the wisdom and anointing of Joseph in the place that he placed him. Folks, let me just say something to you. The Bible talks about anointings that break yokes, that, that removes bondages, and sets people free. Who has that kind of power? You do, and I do. We do. As kids of the king, that's the kind of authority that we have. That's why he told Joshua, with, without any unequivocal doubt, he said, Joshua, be bold and courageous, be strong. And he said, every place in which your foot shall tread, I'll give it to you. 
In other words, every place that Joshua was, the anointing of God was with him. That anointing that was powerful, that anointing that, that uh, changed circumstances, that anointing that enabled him to stand even when armies were so much bigger than him, that he could stand and know that his God was the one leading him into battle, and it wasn't about a flesh thing. It's the same anointing that David knew he had. When it came time to face Goliath, it wasn't a thing, because he knew his God would prepare him for that battle. He didn't need Saul's armor. He just needed what God provided, which was five shiny stones. Mm -hmm. What are you looking for to complete your mission? What hoop does God have to jump through to get you to just take it a day at a time? What dream has he given you? What prophetic word is resting in your life? What encouragement from his word has he showed you about your destiny that you're overlooking because you're stuck in the midst of your circumstance and adversity? We've got to move forward in the fact and knowledge that our God is capable through us to complete the mission that he has given us. Let's turn to uh, uh, Genesis chapter uh, 47. And I want you to see that from 10 chapters of the different things that Joseph faced, his family faced, the, the country faced, this is kind of sort of the culmination of those things. And in verse 47, we see that Joseph is going to start introducing his family to the Pharaoh. I'm wondering how much in their times that they were together that he might have reminisced about his family or if he said nothing at all. But we know this, that Joseph now, for whatever reason, was comfortable about presenting his family to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph went to see Pharaoh and told him, My father and my brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. They have come with all their flocks and herds and possessions, and they are now in the region of Goshen. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? And they replied, We, your servants, are shepherds, just like our ancestors. We have come to live in Egypt for a while, for there is no pasture for our flocks in Canaan. The famine is very severe there. So please, we request permission to live in the region of Goshen. Let me just say this to you. They can have the boldness to stand before the Pharaoh and make this monumental request of him because their brother had paved the way before them. Mm -hmm. Because their brother had carried out his, um, his mission obediently. Because their brother, the one who found them not tending their flocks, and now all of a sudden they're interested in their flocks, their brother has created an open door for them to be able to receive what no one else could receive. See, this is the anointing that's on your life and my life. When we're connected to the king, the king gives his children the opportunity to go forward in their mission to unlock the door for many, many people to find the favor of God. Because every place you go, the anointing and favor of God is with you. 
That's why we have to lift up our eyes. That's why we have to lift up our spirits. That's why we have to lift up our, our countenance in the days that even are difficult and trials face us from every direction. These trials are nothing compared to what God can do in our lives. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, So now that your father and brothers have joined you here, choose any place in the entire land of Egypt for them to live. Give them the best. Give them the best land of Egypt. Let them live in the region of Goshen. And if any of them have special skills, put them in charge of what? My livestock too. They've already got a promotion to be over the king's livestock. Why? Why? Because Joseph had set the stage for this to happen with his obedience to God. Then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and presented him to Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed the Pharaoh. How old are you? Pharaoh asked him. Jacob replied, I've traveled this earth for 130 hard years. But my life has been short compared to the lives of my ancestors. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh again before leaving his courts. Jacob is blessing Pharaoh. So who's getting a benefit from this now? Pharaoh. Pharaoh is getting a blessing from God from the father of Joseph. How good is that? So Joseph assigned the best land of Egypt. Uh, the regions of Ramses and to, the, to his father and his brothers and settled them there just as Pharaoh had commanded. And Joseph provided food for his father, his brothers, in amounts appropriate to the number of their dependents, including the smallest children. Why did they go into that detail? Because that's the plan that God gave Joseph. Joseph had this thing all worked out because of the plan of God. Now, you can read on your own from uh, verse 13 to the end of the chapter because you're going to see uh, God's favor was not only on Joseph's family, but it was on the Pharaoh as well because he accumulated great things because of Joseph's anointing. Listen, folks, whether it be your company you work for, you bring favor. Yeah. You bring favor. That every time you cross the doors, that you go into work every day, your heart should be, let me be a servant to this, this job and let great favor come upon it because of me being a child of God. You should understand that you're a kid of the king and everything that the king has, he wants to give to his children. So today, I pray that this message would change the world for all of the remaining years before Jesus comes. Because I pray that this message today would encourage you to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. Seek Him first each and every day and know that He will never leave or forsake you. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. I thank you, God, that you filled my heart, God, with so many different things to say and, and encouragements to give. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, 
that you do that for us. You guide us into truth. You lead us into all righteousness. And you encourage us, even when things can seem so discouraging. But today, God, I pray that as we move forward in the midst of where we are, that we would learn from you the things we need mm -hmm. to make things of the years to come be so amazing and impacting. And Father, we love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. It's been good to be with you. Have a great day and a tremendous Thanksgiving with your family. God bless you.